You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello and welcome to the Oz Network for another very special movie review. Uh, mostly special because we decided to start watching movies together again. <laughs> um, no more of these protests of not wanting to appear on episodes with each other. Uh, we are back to bring you all the exciting opinions that go along with the 95-minute epic based on eight whole novels from uh, literary master Stephen King. We're here to talk about The Dark Tower. Uh, my name is Colin, and this is my impression of Matthew McConaughey, and this is my impression of Idris Elba. <laughs> and my name is Ben, and this is my impression of the kid in the movie who I don't know his actor's name. <laughs> I couldn't look in front of me because I've got the screen open, but I'm too lazy to. <laughs> um, talking about lazy, we are here to talk about the Dark Tower. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> we know where Colin's going with this. <laughs> um, yeah, this will be an interesting one because I'm not entirely sure how I feel. Well, I know how I feel about this movie. I'm not sure what my opinion is or how I'm going to articulate it, but... Uh, why don't we start with you first, Ben? Uh, how did you feel about The Dark Tower? Okay, well, uh, if anybody has listened to any of our products in the past, including 007, download now via the iTunes network, um, I don't read. So, um, you know I've gone into this never having read the book series. And I'm going to be completely honest with you, um, I didn't actually really know a lot about this going into it in terms of what it was. And I feel terrible saying that because I realise clearly this is a very popular uh, book series uh, in terms of, you know, the Stephen King universe. I read a lot about after I saw the movie. Um, but this was kind of um, one of these ones that I felt I went into without a lot of prior knowledge. It's kind of like when I went into Baby Driver, and I, I mean, I didn't really read anything too much into it. I, don't, I think I saw one of the trailers going into it because basically how this came about was my dad got a double password given to him. So it's like, Ben, you want to come to the Dark Tower? Okay. Uh, and I mean, I'd heard of it because, you know, I'd heard it was the new Idris Elba movie that coming up from the future James Bond. Um, so, you know, the trailer looked kind of interesting and I just went into it completely, you know, unknowledgeable about what it was. And I mean, I enjoyed it. I, my dad thoroughly enjoyed it. My dad loved it. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know what that says about my dad, but <laughs> that sounded mean for some reason. I'm not trying to be mean here. What am I talking about? But I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I'm going to be very interested to hear a lot of your opinions because I'm, I'm guessing, well, I'm assuming you read books, so you probably knew a lot more about this coming into it. Um, what The one thing that I will say that really just stood out to me was that it was as short as it was, and that's coming from somebody who doesn't know anything about this book because clearly I think maybe it, fans are complaining it should have been longer or anything, but a movie of this scale, a movie like this, I would genuinely assume was going to be like at least two hours or something rather. And I remember like it got to the end and I looked at my watch and I'm like, holy shit, that was like 90 minutes. It was weird. Mm-hmm. It felt weird to me that a movie like this was this short. But um, yeah, anyway, I, I I enjoyed it, but I'm going to be intrigued to kind of hear your viewpoints throughout this that probably might sway me because it's kind of one of these ones where I enjoyed it, but I didn't walk out kind of, fuck, I love that movie. It was just like, yeah, that was yeah. good. But what else do I think about it? It was kind of like when I first well, saw Skyfall. I was like, yeah. That was Skyfall. Well, I also didn't read the books. I had some knowledge, but my sister's a a big Stephen King fan. I don't even know if she read all these. Because, like, let's be honest, there's so many of these books, and it's such a complicated story now that you've read up on it, and I kind of have some knowledge of it. Uh, It's so complicated. I don't know how they ever expected to get a movie out of this. But I don't know. My my opinion's 
kind of, I guess, slightly the opposite years in that I walked out of this thinking, yeah, it wasn't unentertaining, but it's it's a complete mess. <laughs> the, the, the kindest way to describe it is just the movie's a mess. Uh, and everything that you would assume, like, if you hear about this movie and, I guess, where the source material is and what they ended up with, I guess you you get what, you know, you expect out of this. They took eight books, spent 10 years trying to adapt a movie series out of eight books. You know, at one point it was going to be a trilogy. At one point it was going to be, you know, four, five, six movies. Another point, okay, we're just going to turn them into one movie somehow. When people who read the books are scratching their heads, how is that even possible? And in the end they settled on, we can't adapt these books into a movie. So let's make a movie that is a sequel to the books, <laughs> even though the people coming in to see the movie are not familiar with the books. Me. Therefore, they're going to be lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but let's take some elements from the books so that if we ever wanted to go back and tell the original story, we can't anymore. <laughs> like, it's just, I, I honestly believe that they spent 10 years trying to develop this and eventually just said, ah, just wing it. Who cares? <laughs> go in the, I'll give you a camera. I'll give you Matt McConaughey. I'll give you Idris Elba. I'll give you some random kid and just make a movie and call it The Dark Tower and just include a few things that fans are going to be like, oh, look at that. I guess they kind of, I feel like they set themselves up here for a movie that was never going to please fans of the book because it's not really from the book. And it was never going to please non-fans because it is so confusing. You don't know what's going on half the time. Um, I mean, I would agree for the parts of that that I understood in terms of me coming into this without the book history. I mean, I will, like... It, to me, I guess, as a completely casual observer of this series, I mean, I, I, I personally couldn't tell that, obviously I haven't read the books, that there were things, I guess, missing. Um, I don't know if I was confused. I, I, I understood this more than I understood Dunkirk for the most part of it. Um, <laughs> in, in terms of, like, you know, as we discussed in Dunkirk, you got to a certain point before it clicked. And you're like, oh, that's what yeah. they're doing. Uh, whereas this one, I, I mean... I, th- I it was kind of like for the most part I'm like oh, okay what's going on? all right okay cool so he dreams stuff and then he draws it I mean to me that was just oh the standard Hollywood dreams it draws it it's really real um, but I mean I think it, it definitely is a film that you come out of with a lot of questions um, and I mean to me I I, I came out of it, okay not realizing all that development history. Uh, assuming that they're setting up a franchise here, just with especially the way it ends. Um, there's one key part in this whole film which uh, we can't really discuss on a spoiler-free recap, I guess. Uh, that I was like, okay, that was gelled over too quickly for that not to be brought back. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, and I, I think this is actually the first film, I, film I've ever seen with Idris Elba in it. There's a random stat for you. Um, so Are you serious? I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'd never heard of Idris Elba until his name was in the mix to be James Bond. So, uh, <laughs> once again, showing that I'm a great host of a movie and uh, TV podcast. But, um, yeah, I mean, you make some interesting points there, which, again, as I said at the start, I'm going to be interested to hear a lot more of, of them throughout this episode. Well, it's also interesting you mentioned, you know, that they wanted to start a franchise because... I'm actually a big defender of a lot of, I'm not going to say bad movies, but disappointing movies where I feel like the franchise has potential. And I kind of have the opposite opinion with this, but yet I'm interested in where I think they're going with this. Because the interesting thing is they're not actually planning to continue this Dark Tower story from where we leave off. So 
I'll be interested off the air to hear about what you think would happen because the whole idea with this, and this is why I said you know earlier on that I feel like they just said we've got Matthew McConaughey, we've got Idris Elba, we've got the name, the Dark Tower, make a movie, and then we'll figure it out later because what they're planning to do is basically take all those original eight novels now and turn that into a TV series, you know, Game of mm-hmm. Thrones or Walking Dead style. And then they're thinking, well, the easiest way to get an audience into this is to show them the end of the story <laughs> that didn't exist in the books. And then that'll get them interested to see the young gunslinger and the young man in black. And I don't know, maybe it would work. Um, it's I, gonna... I feel like there's... Sorry, you continue your point there. I was saying, I feel like there's a lot of material and there are interesting things in this movie. And when I said it was confusing, I don't necessarily mean like, I don't know what's going on in the movie. It's just, they give so little explanation that you want those explanations. Like, are these aliens? You know, all that. Sure, that'll be answered in a a TV series. But if you're not continuing this story, why leave those things unanswered? I mean, it's just, it, it feels like the movie is a tease without it actually going anywhere. And in a way, I'm interested to see a TV series where they go with this. But unlike a lot of other movies, you know, I, I mentioned in the review of Atomic Blonde a little over a month ago that like a lot of these movie series that start and I'm disappointed with the first movie, I'm like, I could see myself being interested if they made a sequel. If they made a direct sequel to The Dark Tower, I don't think I have any interest in it. A TV show that takes place beforehand, I'd probably watch. It's kind of interesting in hearing all that. Um, I mean, you, you're not going to get this reference because I, I highly doubt you would have seen this film or know what I'm talking about because it's very, it's you know, quite popular amongst children in Australia. There's a series here, uh, Tomorrow When the War Began, and, uh, you know, most people of my age would have grown up on it, John Marston books. These are books I've read, Colin. Um, <laughs> read a book? I know, right? Let alone multiple? Uh, I think it's, it's very similar to, um, uh, what was... I'm going to go... It's Red Dawn. That's what I'm thinking. Apparently, it's got a very similar plot line to that of Red Dawn. It's, it's essentially about a, a bunch of kids who live in a small town in Australia. They go camping, and when they come back, Australia's been taken over by a group of unknown forces, so these teenagers sort of have to kind of lead the resistance, you know, to try and work out what's happened in Australia and fight back against these unknown troops and save their family. Anyway. Uh, exactly. Like yeah, 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 exactly. So, but anyway, so they made a movie of the first book, uh, I think 2009, 2010. It's actually very well done uh for an australian movie to almost feel like a hollywood blockbuster uh it's rare and uh it was thoroughly well done it's very true to the book uh and it kind of set it up because i think there's seven books in total of this series but they basically said at the end of this book oh no we're not going to make any more we might develop uh the next uh six books into a two-part tv series and it's like what like how can you do this and they've since uh since the movie they've made the first book into a tv series which i think went for about 10 episodes changed it around a little bit added some uninteresting plot points and now they're talking about making it into a second series so it's kind of like it's it's disappointing that you know one book will get like the Hollywood treatment, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh no, let's let's go back do the movies. And it seems obviously different with this than what you're saying. That clearly with this one, it's not just a case of let's do the first book and we'll do the rest into uh, TV series. They're going to do the opposite and like, oh, let's go back and show more. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I would I don't I kind of came out of this thinking like, yeah, I'd say a sequel. But then when I read about the TV series, I'm like, oh, would I really? you know, stick true to a TV series. I don't know if I'm that entrenched in it. I'm probably the opposite of you that I would maybe be interested in a sequel, but not necessarily a TV show of it. I guess part of the problem, this is where just making this movie really back them into a corner is that, you know, the book series ends. And if you're a fan of the book series, which I'm, I'm not, I haven't read it, but 
I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are fans of the book series. They're like, okay, so we're getting a sequel to this. Where does it go from here? And it just, I don't feel like this movie ends in an exciting enough way that you want to know what happens. And from what I've read about what happens in the book series, I mean, it really builds to this huge climax. And we'll get to the climax later. But I mean, I, I just... I guess this isn't really a topic to get into in a spoiler-free review because I'm just confused as to what would even happen in a sequel other than, you know, just more of the same. And we, we kind of have, I mean, if people, let's, I guess, set up the story here for anybody who's not familiar, hasn't seen the trailers, the basic idea is just that, you know, this other world uh, exists and that this boy Jake, you know, has these dreams, these visions, like you said, and that he finds a way to travel this other world. It's basically the last action hero or... <laughs> Uh, the Forbidden Love Kingdom with Jackie Chan and Jet Li, uh, and when he goes there, you know, it's it's he just finds out there's this dark tower and there's it's it's such a, it feels weird to even describe this plot. It's, it sounds completely ridiculous. Uh, some evil villain is trying to destroy the universe, and a giant dark tower is what somehow protects this universe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just about we have to protect this dark tower. But then throughout the course of the movie, we never really see the dark tower. So we don't. Do why we? is this such? A, no, so that's why I say I don't understand the point of this movie, and maybe it's just a result of it being 90 minutes. It just feels rushed because you have this really complicated plot that they don't really go anywhere with in the movie. It just ends up being almost a travel film of let's go to Midworld, now let's go back to New York City. Yeah, um, you really are putting interesting points here with this kind of thinking about it now. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, it's kind of interesting to think you basically don't see the Dark Tower at all. I, I'm trying to think of like a bit here and there. I mean, it really does make the plot of Killfield and Killfield 2 look genius, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, we promised we'd never talk about those again. Well, we did. Um, promise sometimes I can't keep. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's interesting to really think now about the 90-minute runtime because, I mean, just going back to what you're saying slightly there on the ending, it's like how I kind of said, like, you feel like it's setting it up for something more, but... When you, you do, I guess, analyze it, and again, we can't really talk about it, but like, um, you know, it's interesting to think what, what they could do with it. But, um, yeah, I mean, as you were just explaining with the plot there, uh, you know, again, I saw, a, I think, a trailer for it before I went into it. And I, I guess when I first heard of this movie, before I even saw a trailer, I, I didn't realize it was going to be so science fiction y. I, I kind of had this picture in my mind that it was like set in some like, high-rise building and, you know, Idris Elba was a cop or something and he had to protect a kid or something. Like, I didn't realise that there was coming into this, like, you know, supernatural elements and everything along those lines. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you it's... thought it was, like, Steven Seagal under siege, but with a kid. Die hard. To die hard, like, with Idris Elba. <laughs> die just... hard with a boy. <laughs> that just reminds me of the... Uh, have you seen the honest trailer for Die Hard, where at the end of it he gets there and he's like, spawned all these rip-off movies, and it's got, like, a yeah. picture of, like, uh, under siege, like, die hard on a sub, die hard on a plane, die hard on a boat. <laughs> just... Oh, go watch it. Um... But yeah, it's... Die Hard with Idris Elba in a building <laughs> and a kid. Well, I mean, he's being cast as James Bond, may as well be cast as John McClane. I mean, you know, just, they're rebooting everything. I mean, we're about to get a Stand By Me with women. I mean, uh, not Stand By Me, uh, Lord of the Flies with women. I mean, come on. Let's not get started oh, on that. Oh, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't wait for the... Uh, women don't belong in violence. Uh, well, it's, it's a little bit more complicated than that, Colin. I, 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 I can't wait for the uh, Little Women remake with all men. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to add. I think I'm just stretching it now into trying to find humour. Can I just point out, and I know we're kind of going to get a bit into the car. I mean, I liked Idris Elba. I thought Idris Elba was great. Um, also, Dennis Haysbert's in it. TV's Dennis yeah. Haysbert. <laughs> well, here's here's the other thing I was going to mention. And I was surprised Dennis Haysbert was in it. And he's he's, I mean... He doesn't have to do anything in this movie. He's Dennis Haysbert. He doesn't it's exciting. do anything in this movie. <laughs> he doesn't. That's part of the problem. It's, it's funny that when this movie finished filming, and this is the story that um, why the movie had reshoots, they screened it for audiences, and it just got a terrible response. And their, uh, I guess, their solution to the terrible response this got was people felt they didn't have enough backstory. They didn't know anything about the gunslinger, about Roland. So they said, let's give him a backstory, which is where all the Dennis Haysbert stuff comes from. When you know that, every single scene with Dennis Haysbert here feels like these were reshoots to try to solve a problem that we didn't understand his backstory, even though we still don't understand his backstory. Like, it's just, it's the cheapest set of scenes. And I think that's part of the other problem here is that we're dropped into this really complicated world. And I don't mind movies where you have to play catch up. I mean, George Lucas famously said that he intended Star Wars to be like the way that he watched like Kurosawa samurai movies. Not that Kurosawa intended this way, but that he didn't tailor his movies towards American audiences. So Americans would watch it and there'd be all these Japanese customs in there and all these like backstories that were never told. And as an American watching it, he just had to play catch up and kind of use his imagination. And that works to a certain degree. But when the first half hour of this movie is all a kid and you're basically seeing nothing other than a few clear reshoots with, you know, uh, Idris Elba and Dennis Haysbert to try to give you a little bit of a backstory, it doesn't help at all. And it, let's be honest, a 95 minute movie and it takes to almost a third of that movie before you introduce the two main characters. Are you really going to have time to develop it even if they did do a good job writing this, which they didn't. And even if Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey did really bring it, and I honestly don't think they did. We'll get to that in a second. But I just don't feel like they even gave themselves an opportunity to develop these characters or the backstory of this world or the conflict or anything. And again, I had no idea about that, about Dennis Haysbert. And I mean, to me, it, it did seem... Like, you didn't need that of this character. Sometimes there are mysterious characters in movies that kind of, you know, can open the world more for a, for a sequel or anything. Well, not even necessarily have to open up the world for a sequel. You know, you just can have these people who uh, who are there and you don't really need to he- hear a whole... I mean, how many movies, you know, like this in the past have we had this character and all of a sudden, oh, let's tack on a story about his dead daddy, um, you know, yeah. or something like that. So it just, it just doesn't really seem too much there. And, I mean, it kind of makes a little bit more sense in terms of just those flashbacks, I guess, what you had. And, like, the, the bits that I didn't like sort of with his dad and all that sort of stuff was um, the... The weird one, I mean, I don't know, you haven't read the books, but I mean, those weird, like, one-liners, what were they saying? Like, oh, if I don't see my face of my father, I cannot be one. Or, like, yeah, the whole the whole oath of the gunslinger or whatever weird. that was. Was that a movie it's, thing or was that in the books? I mean, I, I have no idea. I would assume it's from the books just because it reads so long-winded. Uh, I guess just to give a little bit more backstory, you know, I have never really read Stephen King. I'm very familiar with Stephen King. We'll talk a little bit about the other Stephen King stories that... Uh, this kind of is connected to in a second, but my sister being a big Stephen King fan, you know, she gave me one or two of his books before. And I think I read like 50 pages of Pet Cemetery, and, you know, started reading the Green Mile and just could never get into it. Cause Stephen King, I mean, great stories, but very long winded writer. And th- that whole speech 
I think it's still going right now. I think it just Elba is still reciting it, you know, somewhere <laughs> at the end of the credits. Cause it just never ends. And you'll get to the end of it. My name is Bond. James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got nothing uh, you more. You got nothing else to say? No, no, no. I, I, nothing. <laughs> I, I just, I just, I'm trying to find what it was. It just, I mean, God, it was like, oh, I'm the stinger of the face and I don't shoot and blah de da da The stinger of the face? I don't that know. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, interestingly enough, first thing of trivia that comes up on IMDb is that Daniel Craig was one of the first ones considered for the lead role before Idris Elba was cast. Same speeding. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about the connection here, because my only exposure to the Dark Tower, other than just understanding that it was about this, I don't know, alternate world that was kind of like a Western, but more like post-apocalyptic sci-fi, and that it was just this battle between this sorcerer. I mean, the basic premise of this whole series, I guess is that you have this sorcerer, the man in black, this ultimate villain, and this gunslinger who's, you know, kind of the defender of his world, and maybe he has some type of, you know, ancient ties. Uh, there's mentions in this movie, and this is where a lot of stuff doesn't get explained, there's mentions in this movie about, like, you know, uh, Excalibur sword, and that, you know, maybe there's some connections between our world and their world. But the exposure I had to this is more just that man in black character. And this is where I think where my disappointment with Matthew McConaughey comes in, because I don't know if you're familiar with the stand ever. If you ever watched the miniseries, the stand from the nineties, no, the stand was like Stephen King's other epic. And he's most well known for doing horror films or horror books, I guess (laughs) Stephen King makes books as well. Did you know that? (laughs) What book? What? A book the, the things with words in them that uh, the uh, the Australian uh, Red Dawn. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still learning uh, outside of tomorrow when the war began. I, I quite, can't quite say of uh, yeah. But yeah, I guess he had the Stand and the Dark Tower were kind of his fantasy sci-fi stories, and the Stand it's it's a very different story from this because it all takes place on Earth, but it's basically the end of the world. It's a virus that wipes out the majority of the world's population, and it's. You know, these groups forming the, the last of the uh, good people. And then you have this villain, Randall Flagg, who's kind of, I guess, like the man in black. You know, he has these magic powers. I guess you consider him like a sorcerer. But he's more just like this evil villain. And all of the you know evil people kind of surround him. And it just ends up being this battle between the good people and the evil people. Incredible story. It's something that, you know, I think we could cover... And I, I can't see anybody not loving even the miniseries The Stand. They've been trying to make The Stand as well for years. And The Stand is one book, but it's like well over a thousand pages. And this character, the man in black, is the same character that appears in The Stand, Randall Flagg. So this is such an important character to Stephen King in that he appears in different versions, uh, almost like whoever the man in black is. Uh, he takes different forms in different worlds. And you know, the, the, in The Stand world, he took this Randall Flagg character, and in the other one, the man in black... Maybe it's because I saw the Stan miniseries and I know that character a little better, but it's such a great evil villain and a lot of personality. And Matthew McConaughey was originally rumored to be playing Randall Flagg in the Stan movie. And he ended up, I guess, getting this one in the Dark Tower. And it kind of made me excited. You know, he would have been great as Randall Flagg, but he's just so boring in this movie. (laughs) He doesn't do anything. He, He just sort of talks. And occasionally, I think he blinks maybe a half dozen times throughout the course of this movie. Uh, I had really high hopes for him because this same villain or a different version of this villain appears in a much better Stephen King story, and we just get nothing from him here. So, you know, you mentioned we'll talk about Idris Elba in a little bit, but any thoughts on Matthew McConaughey? And obviously you had no knowledge of The Stand, but, you know, did you expect that 
Academy Award winner Matthew McConaughey was going to be, you know, anything in this as a, a great villain, or did he live up to your low expectations? Can you just say that sentence again? It still sounds weird. Academy Award winner Academy Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> which he deserved, by the way. Uh, incredible. It's uh yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's it's funny when you. I'm a long fan of yes. Um, uh, uh James Oliver. Uh, oh God, I've gone blank already. Uh, last week tonight. <laughs> He's a big fan. Don't know the la- name. Last week tonight with John Oliver, James Oliver. God, I'm not, I'm such a fan. I don't even know his name. Uh, but he has like a long running joke about you know he'll say something like oh it's about as rare as thinking ten years ago we would be used to hearing the sentence Academy Award winner Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> um. It's interesting because I read a lot of the reviews of this afterwards and in particular the criticisms of Matthew McConaughey and even what you said. I actually really liked Matthew McConaughey in this movie. You probably knew I was going to. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, I can see how you can say he was boring, but I mean, maybe it's just Matthew McConaughey in general. He's just, I, he's just a charming guy, you know? I mean, this is a guy that is, you know, we all want to be bros with Matthew McConaughey, don't we, Colin? Like, I mean, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's all right, kind of all right, right all right. Like, I don't know. Like, he just, to me, it's just, maybe it's just his on-screen presence straight away. It's like, God, you could just not do anything right now, and you're cool. Um, but it's so beautiful. He's just such a beautiful man. You know, you and Idris Elba, oh, it's just Hollywood heartthrobs. But, like, I, yeah, I, I really, I mean, I always generally root for the villain in a movie anyway. I'm weird that way because I'm an evil bastard. But I, I kind of just liked his, the, the way he... I, I like that whole thing that he could just like basically go like, you know, kill each other or do this or just I love the way he just wave his hand and just make things do that and just the way he yeah. would deliver it in this kind of weird, you know, monotone sort of way of doing it. I I mean I I guess I can definitely see how he's you know not king asshole villain of the world, but I don't know. I just I just had this endearing charm about the way he would do it, and again maybe that just comes down to the screen presence of Matthew McConaughey. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see, like, you know, if this could have been pulled off by anyone else. But I, I actually really enjoyed him in this film. So, um, that was definitely one of my personal shining lights as I came out of going, yeah, Matthew McConaughey, like, yeah, what a, what a guy. <laughs> like, you go. You Matthew go, Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey you. you go home and polish your Oscar and <laughs> count your money. Um, uh, and again, for me, it's because I had that expectation, knowing this is kind of the same character from The Stand, knowing that he was supposed to do The Stand, and for years being like, if, if they ever made The Stand, it would have to be him. But also, like you, you talked about, he has so much charm and charisma, and I feel like that's what he could have brought to this. I do love his power, though. The one thing I'll say oh, is, yeah. you, you mentioned briefly, we don't want to give too much away, but his power, like he he's referred to as a sorcerer in this movie. It's more or less sometimes he can just say something. Like One thing he does a couple of times in the movies, he just... You know, like snaps his finger, stop breathing, and a person just literally will stop breathing on the spot. That'd be an uh, he amazing is power to have. It is an amazing power. I don't think I would want people to stop breathing. I, uh, there's other things I. We could be right can. now, just be like, everybody listen and enjoy. <laughs> ben, stop watching Titanic. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but here's my other problem. We'll, we'll talk about Idris Elba too. You mentioned he was good in this. I honestly found them both to be painfully boring, and I'm not saying they did a terrible job. I'm saying this is terrible material. Uh, I'm just kind of getting tired of when you look at the reviews, you know, people will give praise to an actor that's famous, you know, say, oh, they were good in the movie. I'm like, well, were they? If this was the first time I had ever seen Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey, I don't think I ever bothered to watch another one of their movies before. Like, I, I'm going to, I have seen a lot of Idris Elba movies, almost all of them. Uh, I love this TV show, Luther. This is like the worst thing Idris Elba's ever done. And, I, I don't care what anybody says. I never want to see this man as James Bond because I don't think that he moved this entire time and he was shooting guns for 90 minutes. 
like it's he's the stiffest, least exciting action hero I have ever seen in this movie. And part of it, you know, we'll get on the the climax in a minute where there actually is a little bit happening, but there's nothing exciting about a guy who just shoots bullets and the interesting things happen kind of because the way he's shooting the bullets. Like, you have to have some physicality to it, and there's, I feel like there's no physicality with his performance either. Yeah, that's I'd, I'd have to agree with that. One thing I definitely went into this film was kind of um, trying to picture him as James Bond. I mean, I know this really isn't the film to picture him as James Bond as. He's, you know, not a charming, sophisticated British agent. Um, but, I mean, I still wanted to see how he would handle things like action scenes and that. I mean, the one thing I'll just say before I kind of get into some, agreeing with basically a lot of what you said is, like, I did like some of the action sequences in terms of just, like, the cool little quirks he had. Like, I know it's in the trailer, like, the bit where he reloads his gun in midair, you know, like, he shoves the, the barrel open and all of them kind of go into his chamber, like... That was cool. And just like a few of the little, you know, badassery moments that he appeared to have. But, I mean, there's just something about it. Whereas, like, Matthew McConaughey, you know, the man in black, like, again, I can see your criticism, but I just think he has an overriding charm to him, which kind of, it's just, again, probably just Matthew McConaughey. Idris Elba just looked bored in this movie. Like, I mean, he just... They both looked bored. They both were watching the dailies from the <laughs> earlier days shoot before they delivered their performances. That's what happened. It's just, I mean, I just... I felt like you needed to have someone with a bit more... I don't know what in this role. And particularly, like, the way he's, like, thrust upon this little kid, that probably sounds inappropriate, but I think you know what I mean. It's, it's kind of like... Yeah. Just like that that was just a weird part of the plot line. It's the fact that when this kid comes into this world and all of a sudden it's just like... Okay, you can come with me. Like, generally, one of these, you know, random stranger appears with the hero movies. Like, there's got to be some sort of thing that allows them to be connected. This one, it barely is like, I saw you in a dream. Okay, come with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, really? And just like, yeah, even the, the action scenes we got, it just, he didn't really pull it off that well. And even just the, you know, tacked on emotional connection with his father. Like, even mm-hmm. that seemed just like he just didn't care. I mean, the screams of reshoots. <laughs> this little kid and his, you know, connection to his father were more realistic than this guy. And this kid, I believe, is this his first... I don't know if we'll get to him separately, but I think that's his first movie role. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the ones that I really particularly didn't like that felt really forced. And I, I generally like sort of movies or TV shows where you've got this whole, like fish out of water complex somebody from a different world has got to come into our world so it's all like oh ha ha he doesn't know what soda is oh ha ha you know he doesn't know what Times square is you know i I like those sort of movies and tv shows but it's just he just even in those scenes like when like when he's in the hospital like that should be the part where he's meant to be charming and being all like this with you know oh ha ha he doesn't know that he has to heal longer than that but it well, just, he just seemed bored and that is like, oh, yeah, cool, I better go off. Oh, what's this, Coke, sugar? Oh, yeah. Well, I think the other problem with it is the tone of this movie changes with each location, which yeah. is each half hour, because this movie's only 90 minutes. The first half hour feels like the setup to a horror film. It's really a kid having nightmares. What are these nightmares? It's kind of mysterious. You know, the second half hour is really what takes place in Midworld, you know, this this alternate world, which is where all the books take place, and we see nothing there. It's just like you know, an empty desert and we briefly get, you know, a village or something like that. And for whatever reason, they decide in a movie that is trying to tell such a complicated story with no time at all, let's introduce about a dozen characters over the course of five minutes and have none of them have any importance so that you can't even remember their names. Like, I'm still trying to remember what these characters are even there for. I would much rather have just been the two of them walking in a desert than to introduce a bunch of characters that go nowhere. There's, and then we get yeah. to the third act, and you said it's kind of fish out of water, but 
it a lot of it does fall flat partly because you've been meant to believe that the first half hour of this movie is a horror film the second half is kind of a you know uh western in the desert and then the third half hour is what fish out of water it just none of it fits together there's there's one particular thing kind of just with these random people that are introduced because that's that's definitely like in terms of there are so many side characters in this movie that it's like what who where when and you know if they they live or die you just you don't give two shits and the one that really kind of like you know you generally watch a movie and there'll be just a random little throwaway scene where you assume like oh yeah okay that's going to come back later and I mean, this—I don't feel this is really a spoiler and such, but like the bit where they're in that village and the little kid kind of and that you know blonde girl had that little moment they smile. Like, yeah, oh, they're gonna be in love. Oh, how sweet! She's literally like seen next moment screaming, and that's it. It's like, oh, well, that paid off. I'm so glad they're, I got in touch with that romantic connection. <laughs> Yeah, they're saving it for the prequel TV series where they're both a year old, maybe. <laughs> and there was um the the side one of the uh, weird people in the tower uh, with the, the the girl the the sort of the main I guess yeah, monotone. The woman. I thought that was Cara Devine. I'm like, what's she doing in this movie? <laughs> like, she looked like her. I'm like, God, she's in everything. Get over it. She's a yeah. model. She can't act. But then I got home and <laughs> looked her up. It's not hers. I'm like, oh, okay. Stick to your um the that weird Fifth Element style movie that she's just been in. Mm-hmm. Which um, um, what was that? What's that called? Valerian. Valerian. Thank you. That was on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, not really that coming one. soon to the because we have too many other things to get to. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's half French as well, so you know I'm not going to see it. <laughs> the other thing that doesn't work with the whole fish out of water. And this is where I feel like they they literally just gave up eventually and said, you know, we don't know what we're doing here. The fish out of water stuff, which should be funny, and there are a couple of funny lines in there. You know, we don't want to give them all away, but. Uh, the one that kind of made me laugh was where, you know, he's quizzing him about his world. He goes, do you have guns and bullets in your world? And the kid just sort of looks at him and says, you're going to like Earth a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny line, but of course it's the kid who's getting a laugh, not just Elba. But there's so many of these jokes that just don't make sense because the look they've given for Roland, A, it's not like what you see in the books. You know, I guess in the books or the comics or all that, he has a cowboy. He looks like a cowboy. And here he's wearing like a black trench coat, but yet they'll make reference to the fact that people people are looking at him weird. They're like, oh, you must have just been at a costume convention. And I'm looking I'm like, he looks like every other person on the street. He's not even wearing a costume. <laughs> it's just, why is he always drawing people's attention if he doesn't even look weird? Like, they're trying to make a joke out of something that's not even a joke. Yeah, I, I agree. It's kind of, you know, when these fish out of water scenarios, you want them to look vastly different. Like... Uh, I mean, in the lead up to this, I have literally watched all three of the Men in Black films and all three of the Back to the Future films in the space of last week. I have no life. Um, but I mean, what's what's funny about some of the moments in those movies, obviously, is you know Marty back in the fifties. Oh, you know what are you a sailor? Life like, preserver. Yeah, life preserver. Or, you know when he's when he's in his um you know pink Clint Eastwood outfit in the third one and. <laughs> Even, like, you know, Men in Black, just, you know, the the third one, when he's, like, back in time and just little things like that, it just, it's just, it, it fits him well. And, I mean, obviously, this is a different tone to both those series because, you know, it's not really playing the comedy angle too much. But, yeah, when, you, when you've got a sort of a dark film that's kind of, you know, it, it's, a, it's a common thing that you've got to add a little bit of humour in sort of movies like this. Uh, it, it's got to work, and I mean, yeah, like this guy, he's just walking around in a trench coat. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's in New York City. I mean, you know, New York City is a city where people can probably walk around. I mean, you got a guy who plays in Times Square called the Naked Cowboy. No one blinks an eyelid. Yeah. I mean, come exactly. on, people, this is New York City. 
All right, no one's going to be like, oh, it's a really tall, you know, black guy in a trench coat. He's weird. Look out, everybody. Like, that's not usual for New York City. Like, he must be from a different world. Even other things in this movie don't make sense. Like, the worlds are kind of, you find out throughout the course of this, the worlds are kind of connected through these portals. And the man in black can seemingly just will himself to be anywhere. But even if he couldn't, he has these portals to go through. We see him appear somewhere in New York City and then walk about 12 blocks towards the portal. I'm like, if you have access to these portals, you should just appear there. I don't understand why he's walking these places. Yeah. Another thing that's just, you know, I don't, I'm not going to call it laziness. Maybe it's a problem with reshoots. Maybe it's a problem when you hire somebody who's kind of going through puberty. But I swear, this kid ages back and forth throughout every single scene of this movie. <laughs> Jake. You will see him in one scene, and he looks 13, and in another one, he looks 14, and he's clearly, you know, his voice is a little bit deeper, you know, his face has changed a little bit. And I'm not going to say, you know, the, the, oh, the kid shouldn't have aged, but when you're going to hire somebody, make sure that that's not going to happen throughout the course of the movie, or find a way to, to cover for it, you know? Um, there's the scene at the end of The Phantom Menace, where... Uh, uh, Obi-Wan gets Obi-Wan and Anakin get talked to by Palpatine and that was a reshoot done like two years later so the kid had obviously grown everything so they had everybody standing on soapboxes you know <laughs> tricks like that or Terminator 2 uh, Edward Furlong who played John Connor his voice changed throughout the course of filming and it was a long shoot so they actually would you know alter his dialogue to pitch his voice down there's no efforts made here like am I the only one who caught the fact that this kid in one scene it was clearly filmed six months before the next scene uh, I, I didn't notice it. Um, so, uh, in this podcast, you are the only one. But, uh, you know, I don't doubt you are uh, overall. I mean, I, I overall, I thought this guy did a great job. Tom Taylor. Uh, he's English, apparently. So, uh, I mean, he obviously... You can hear he was English in a couple of scenes, too. Oh, I was about to say, I thought he did all right with the accent. I, I couldn't. Again, I'm not paying... A, I'm too entrenched by Matthew McConaughey's charm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I thought he did an all right job. I mean, I said it was his first film. It's uh, Well, it is his first film. He's only been in TV series. Yeah. Unless Dr. Foster is a... I don't know what the fuck that is. Um, he's been in Casualty, um, Taboo, um, you know, all these... <laughs> was in the, the last kingdom that's a good show actually um and legends with sean bean so oh well if he's in a movie uh, something with sean bean then he's automatically cool but um yeah. yeah uh dr foster is a tv series so i mean for his first film role i mean it's that's i think he did it i think he did a very good because i mean like i think you kind of have your old person hate where you don't like old actors I, i'm kind of like that with kids like you know, I mean, kids really when you cast a kid in a role where they're a little shit and they just you know, they're trying to do something, but they're not that brilliant. Like, it, it can ruin a movie. And uh, at no point in this film did I think, oh, God, this kid's a little shit. So No, he's not. Yeah, he's not bad. Uh, and yeah, we're coming it. off of movies like Jurassic World that had, like, incredibly mm. annoying kids in them. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing that I do want to mention with this kid, it's more just the decision to include him because in reading in the whole Dark Tower series, you know, this character, Jake, this kid was in the original novel or in many of them. Uh, but the idea was that he just sort of showed up in Roland's world. It's not something with any type of portals taking him back and forth. Uh, and it's a completely different backstory. I mean, this really is an original uh, creation, this character. And that was, I think, the most entertainment I got out of this movie was when it was just Jake at home before they introduced the gunslinger or the man in black. It was just this kid dealing with these nightmares. That I found kind of interesting. Uh, what I do question, though, is 
the fact of having this whole last, uh, what is that, um, last action hero, uh, Forbidden Kingdom, Narnia, it feels like this movie is trying to be very kid-friendly to, to gear towards a whole young adult audience, the Hunger Games, the Maze Runner, uh, Divergent, all that stuff, because what I was really shocked when I went back after watching this movie and read what the plots were for all these novels the plots of every single one of those novels is instantly an R-rated movie uh, and does not, you know, uh, um, uh, should not ever have a kid. Really, it's a focal point of the story. And this feels like, you know, a kid's adventure story. And I can see, without even knowing what a lot of people's opinions are, I could see a lot of fans of the novels just knowing that those things should be dark, they should be violent, they should be, you know, pretty R-rated. And this is more or less Narnia in, you know, a fantasy world and a little bit in New York City. Yeah, completely agree. Um, that's definitely one big vibe I got from this. It was more, like, suited at a family audience or that. And, um, yeah, the way you kind of correlate that towards, like, uh, you know, all those stupid kids' adventure films that we will never cover here on the Oz Network. Hey, I like The Maze Runner and Hunger Games. Mm. Those ones are pretty good. Jesus Christ. If, if we have to watch them, I'm watching Divergent just so I can perv on Shailene Woodley. Um <laughs> That, that, honestly, I'll I tell you why I love Shailene Woodley is because I saw the trailer for Divergent with her in that leather outfit. I had no idea what the fuck uh, it was. So I went home and Googled. I'm like, who the fuck is that girl in that trailer? I can't remember what movie it was that the trailer was on beforehand. Instantly fell in love. And I've only seen her in um one... What was the movie she did with George Clooney in Hawaii? Oh, The Descendants. Oh, I hate that movie. Oh, I love that. That was great. Um, she's in a bikini in that movie. There's actually movies where she's naked in. I really need to see those. But um, anyway, Shailene Woodley coming soon. Not really. I know you hate her. But um, yeah, I, I definitely got the whole vibe that it was almost... Now that you mentioned that, like, I got the vibe. Hang on, let me rephrase that. I got the vibe that Colin's <laughs> opinion was in my head when I saw this movie. I got the vibe this was kind of like a children's tone movie, but now that, yeah, you compare it to those movies, I think that's definitely, um, <laughs> I just saw your picture of, of Idris Elba eating. <laughs> Funny. Uh, <laughs> I've lost my train of thought now. Um, the future James Bond, ladies and gentlemen, eating a hot dog and drinking a can of Coke. Actually, that was one kind of funny scene when he's eating the hot dog when he's like, what breed? <laughs> like, I, did, yeah. I did like that. Um, yeah, I, I definitely see that, that connection now that you say that. One thing actually I want to say, I, I know we're not going to go through all the different actors, but um, his mother, the kid's mother, who mm-hmm. I've just discovered is Canadian, Catherine Winnick. I don't know if yeah. you're too familiar with Teacher her. Viking. Yeah, just just realise that she's also going to be in the upcoming Geostorm, which, uh, given it's an oh. end-of-the-world movie, I cannot wait for, because I love a good end-of-the-world movie. So, anyway, just wanted to put a random uh, connection there. You know, but, uh, what... when I was well, when I was watching this movie, the first thing she came up, I said, Catherine Winnick, that's like, <laughs> Ben loves a good Catherine Winnick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I, I the R-rated connection, like, I mean, I think one of the things I was reading was, the complaints was that this should have been a little bit darker tone, and... Um, I mean, I, I could definitely see this working very well as an R-rated movie. I mean, with sort of the violence that's in it, in terms of the action scenes when we have them, um, they are very scaled back. So, I mean, you know, yeah. you could definitely see a film like this, particularly with, like, the supposed badassery of, uh, you know, Idris Elba. Like, you know, we want to see a few heads exploding and a bit more blood, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any blood. <laughs> yeah, any blood. Was there any blood in this movie? <laughs> I don't think there was anything. Um Let's talk really quickly about the climax then. Uh, this was probably the first point in the movie where I perked up a little bit. Uh, and part of that, I'm just going to say, is the music. Like, I'm not a huge fan of the I was listening to the soundtrack while I was waiting for you. I'm not a huge fan of the soundtrack. 
but like the climax music was fantastic and i think the, there's really only one other action scene in this entire movie and that's I think one of the other problems is you have a 90 minute movie that almost feels like it drags at times because we're not given any action in what should be a very action packed movie there should be a lot of excitement in here and the action scene that happens about halfway through the movie like you barely see anything and it just helps us barely moving you know nobody's blinking as I said the climax was okay uh, we do get to see a couple of cool moves. You know, most of the shots are in the trailer, uh, like him, him and the other guy, the henchman falling out of the window. Uh, I guess the conclusion of this climax, which without giving away spoilers, I don't want to give away, it really is this entire movie about the showdown between the man in black and Roland. And I don't feel like the movie gave it... The movie spends the whole time just building up. It's his revenge story. You know, are you actually going to save the Dark Tower and the magical powers of this Dark Tower, or are you just out to get revenge? And by the time we get there, I don't feel like this climax has any impact because these two characters barely interact, even in the climax. And even the way that uh, the climax sort of ends, it, it just feels like almost the way you mentioned with Dunkirk. It's like it has to catch up with you for a second. Oh, that's where they just went with that. But it just didn't feel exciting. I feel like the most exciting parts of this climax was when it first started and we actually saw it just all moving <laughs> and it just got slower and slower all the way to the end. And it also involves just this weird thing with the kid. You know, of course, any movie with a kid, you have to introduce some type of subplot where the kid is this incredible, you know, uh, gifted, uh, chosen one. And he has a, a part in this climax that really just amounts to him doing nothing as well. It's just, it felt like a lot of excitement from the music, but nothing really happening. Yeah, I agree with everything really said. I mean, it's kind of, it's interesting in a film that's trying to build up this big showdown between you know the the two main characters a lot of the time like when you want a showdown between two people to like you know get really excitable and you know oh finally here we go um it really didn't to me feel that way because like the the build up to it gets taken away by kind of the relationship between this kid and it's it's kind of how you've got you know this kid coming into the world and all this sort of stuff and it sort of to me it takes away from the fact that we want Idris Elba to go after Matthew McConaughey you know it's kind of like oh okay yeah. that's going to happen and yeah like the, the kid really does he involve himself much and that's kind of where the ending's slightly you know like oh okay cool um but like can I just ask one this isn't really I don't think this is a spoiler if it's a spoiler we can edit this out but it's, I don't think it's a spoiler the whole bit that the kid's in this chair thing and when they're yeah. trying to connect it to the Dark Tower, are they literally slingshotting children into the Dark Tower? Is that, like, what they're doing? Or are they just, like, sucking well, power out of the kids? Because to me, I've I got this thing that, like, this movie basically kills children by slingshotting them into the Dark Tower. That was my interpretation no. of that. <laughs> no, I mean, the movie kind of explains, and this is where the whole plot with kids is that they use the psychic powers of children to attack the dark tower and that's right kind of the idea so it's i don't know it's, it's almost like x-men one they're using this teenager to fuel a machine i guess i just i just i'm watching this whole sequence with these light is like bouncing on the tower <laughs> yeah. going, it's kind of is cruel let's just slingshot children into a building okay yeah Fair like, enough, stephen just, king hit the launch button on this machine and all of a sudden Jake goes flying through there, you're going to regret this, man, I'll be back! I just hit puberty again! Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's one part in the in the climax, which again, I obviously can't say because it would be a massive spoiler, that I didn't like how the climax ended um, yeah. because it was just like, oh, oh okay. All right. Yeah, that's that, kind of what I was talking about. That's done. Uh, 
It's like it's kind of the way the movie just peters out, isn't it? Yeah, I was because again the way it's kind of drawn up and sort of the whole the 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 plot line and the the backstory as to you know why Idris Elba just can't do something to Matthew McConaughey. It was kind of just like, oh, okay, well maybe he can. Uh, it's just like fair enough. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's it's interesting that you point out in terms of like the action sequences because. Even sort of the dramatic scenes at some point in this movie, like the, the part in the camp where, like, you know, our beloved romantic duo gets separated. <laughs> um, Never yeah. to be heard from again. <laughs> can, I, can I just point out, actually, as somebody who, you know, not bad as Colin hating romance, but, in, you know, sometimes when I hated in films and just is a tacked on love story for shits and gigs, there really is none in this film, is there, except for random glance between, um, you know, puberty boy and blonde girl. So, yeah. and even that doesn't, it doesn't amount to anything. That's, I don't care if it's a spoiler or not. Don't get attached to this beloved child couple. Nothing happens. <laughs> it's more of a love story between Idris Dude. Elba and Matthew McConaughey. Did we just solve this whole movie as nothing happens? <laughs> <laughs> the Dark Tower. Nothing happens. Starring my Idris Elba. dad loved it. <laughs> my, dad, my dad seriously walked out of it. Like, that was really good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Can we get your dad on the show? I, I want to point out one thing with my dad. My dad looks forward to every new Fast and Furious movie, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, we get it now. <laughs> so, so, so you think I have bad taste. Um, yeah. I, I got some of it from my dad. <laughs> um, we don't really have much else to talk about in the movie. I mean, we, we don't want this episode to run long <laughs> the running time of The Dark Tower. Uh, I guess the only other thing to really cover here is the review, unless there's anything we haven't talked about that you feel we need to touch on. Uh, no, I mean, just a, a note on the side characters. I mean, I, I mentioned um, the, the kid. I love how we just say the kid. Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey. We don't even know their names. We don't care. <laughs> um, just, like, I, I'm kind of with you there when you said, like, I, you're interested in a lot of the stuff before like, he sort of goes into the, the middle world, whatever it's called. Um, and his mum, you know, she's pretty decent, but, like, the whole, like, his stepdad, like, I mean, just that plot line, like, kind of, I just, that was very, like, uh, and I, look, I I really hope we do a proper recap, because I feel this is going to be fun when it comes out just to, like, analyse some of these scenes, because that scene when he's about to get, like, taken away to camp for the weekend, and those two people that, like, are after him, which obviously are a little bit more than, you know, meets the eye, but his mum doesn't know, and the stepdad doesn't know, they're the worst parents ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just yeah. can't wait till we do a recap so we can rip well, shit into that scene. Let's let's give a spoiler away that nobody's going to care about that we spoil here. You know, there's a scene where Jake gets in a fight at the school, and the school's like, go home and cool off. Yeah. Is that easy to get sent home from school? Just punch a kid in the face? And that, that, that's that's no shit. punishment. I mean, come on, this is the world of one punch can kill. Um, but but at this school, nah, just go home. Go home. <laughs> Guess what? Day off school, you punch the kid nobody likes. And, and, and also the uh, the tacked-on character of his friend who just hangs out of his house every five seconds. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you just waiting outside your friend's house all the time? It's like, hey, Jake, go home! <laughs> That's Millhouse. That is the Millhouse of the Dark Tower. Um... Let's jump into the reviews here. I think it's pretty pretty clear where we're going here. Uh, this is not like an unwatchable movie, but I, I could not find a lot of things that I could recommend about it. For me, this is easily a Bennett. 
I was going to come into this as a as a rent, but I think you've really swayed me. Which is like, <laughs> I don't think you've ever actually fully swayed me completely. That uh, I, I felt the need to kind of come in with a completely different review. But I mean, it's kind of. Yeah, I, I definitely see everything that you're saying with it now. And, uh, you know, from taking my dad's word to your word. Uh, <laughs> I love my dad. I really love my dad. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bin it as well, which I, I did not think I was going to do coming into this episode, to be completely honest. So, yeah, well done, Colin Hilding. You've, uh, you've achieved the rare feat of swaying Ben Waterworth's mind. If only you could do that on, like, Titanic and die another day, you'd be a happy man. Uh, we may still do it on Titanic, because that's coming soon. If people want to know why we're not talking about Titanic, even though we said it would be out <laughs> this week, it's because we can't stop talking about it. <laughs> we have recorded. How long are we into the recording, Ben? Uh, about 18 hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we're, only, we are, we're not even up to the iceberg bit yet. So. Yeah, we're not even at the sinking of the ship, so we took a break from Titanic, because this is running too long. We may have to release it as two-parter or something, but... It's not going to delay anything else. We still have our anniversary month coming up, and Titanic will be out, I guess, what, you know, within a week. We'll have the episode out there. Yeah, uh, we're, we're raving Friday at this point, Australian time, so that's about Thursday uh, evening, US-Canada time. But, uh, again, we've got to get to the iceberg hitting the ship. Spoiler alert, the iceberg hits the ship, if you didn't know. Sorry about that on the spoiler-free recap. We're spoiling another movie. Uh, but yeah. For anybody out there who's insanely bored by Titanic like I am... Uh, don't worry, our episode's more entertaining. <laughs> where's Sven? <laughs> Just get ready to hashtag where's Sven. And get excited and for some Trudy love as well, because that yeah. hasn't exactly amounted to much yet, but it will. <laughs> uh, the other big thing to talk about, I guess, is, you know, we're here covering Stephen King, and we didn't even really mention it here, but this is the first, like, theatrical Stephen King adaptation in a long time. You know, for years, I guess the 70s and 80s, it was like a Stephen King movie every year, and then it became... TV miniseries every year. Uh, this was sort of the return of like Stephen King adaptations, but this one bombed, and the one coming out this weekend certainly won't. It. Um, Jamie and I are going to see it tomorrow, so the episode should be out hopefully by the end of the weekend. Well, I would also suggest. I think Noah's looking at seeing it too, so uh, oh, nice. you, you, you might want to correlate with our recently returned co-host who. As of right now, hasn't appeared on an episode, but we have may have recorded about five episodes that may air in the future. Uh, but yeah, maybe you should correlate with Noah and see if he sees it too. Just just a word yeah. of advice. We're we're kind of planning on air right now, but um, yeah. Uh, I I In look, other words, I, you're gonna hear lots of it. Yeah, it. It's funny when people are talking to me when they say like, "Oh, I really want to go see it." I'm like, "What do you want to see?" And they're like, "I want to oh. go see it." I'm like, "Well, what's it? Like, what, what are you? The movie it? Oh, all right, it. Okay." But Ben won't see it because he's scared at horror films. <laughs> Look, I mean, I I would see it if I, you know, I know Noah's back, but I mean, <laughs> I go see movies by myself and I don't want to see a horror movie by myself. I'm scared. But yeah. actually, no, I, I, have, I, I honestly don't. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the Night of the Living Dead movies. I, It's not that I'm scared in horror movies. I just have never really been over the out of the way to go see them and it and the clown. Like, I, I just don't get why people are scared of clowns. So I'm just going to watch this whole movie going, oh, cool, it's a killer clown. Ooh, that's scary. But I, after this, I guess we have it, and then we What's have it? been promising all summer. Well, it, <laughs> the real it, is Cousin the it? Emoji Movie. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. Forgot about that. We will be covering... Oh, um, we're into September, people. We're <laughs> covering the worst of the summer movies we couldn't see the first time around. Like can, the we at least do can we at least promise we're going to do Geostorm? We will do Geostorm, yeah. And actually, one thing I'd like to do, because the trailer looks absolutely horrible so bad 
uh, the new Jumanji movie. I kind of just want to do oh, yeah. original Jumanji so we can go, oh, how good was this? And then go and see, like, what is it? Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> just like, well, I love The Rock. Up. The Rock is awesome. But, I mean, even The Rock surely can't make a sequel to Jumanji look good without, you know, dealing well. with the part of Robin Williams. Karen Gillan might in that one if you've uh, seen the trailer. <laughs> I've seen the trailers. I like the trailer. I mean, I like Jack Black as well. So, I mean, the cast yeah. is pretty good, but that trailer, come on, you can't tell me that did not look absolutely shit. Bobby Cannavale is in this movie? Hey, don't you knock Bobby Cannavale. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even joking. You you need to realise hey, his roots. Third Watch Bobby original Cannavale. cast member. Bobby Cannavale has actually successfully bred with Rose Byrne. I think I love Bobby Cannavale as much as you do now. <laughs> the biggest connection with Bobby Cannavale is obviously we're doing our Third Watch recaps available every Wednesday. Um, yeah, he was an original member of uh, Third Watch before. Spoiler alert, don't listen to this if you're listening to our Third Watch uh, episodes, people. Uh, he gets killed off in the second season because they weren't giving him any storyline, which is completely true. So he's basically the only actor who has left Third Watch and actually gone on to bigger and better things. So uh, I, I'm a huge Bobby Cannavale fan i've obviously loved him ever since third watch uh he was in will and grace he was in so many things and yeah married rose byrne so um yeah. how can you not like bobby cannavale yeah well <laughs> we watched jumanji welcome to the jungle he was <laughs> in paul blart mall cop oh best thing about paul blart mall cop next to paul blart mall cop <laughs> what a movie second best thing about paul blart mall cop would you would you watch paul blart mall cop the dark tower or titanic Dark Tower. <laughs> <laughs> you had to think about that. <laughs> and I just binned it. <laughs> Titanic or Paul Blart Mall Cop? <laughs> Paul Blart Mall Cop. Titanic, Paul Blart Mall Cop, or Die Another Day? Die Another Day. <laughs> hey! Yes! <laughs> Our warped version of, uh, what is it, like, Ding, Marry, Kill, or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, those are our upcoming movie reviews. Um, do we need to go through all the standard TV ones? Uh, I guess. You Third Watch, Nip Tuck, Survivor, Insert oh. more here. Let's, let's also mention, uh, this, this will happen now. We will be covering Star Trek Discovery. That's right. STD is coming to the Oz Network this September. The Oz Network is going to bring you an STD. Uh, <laughs> Courtesy uh, of married couple Colin and Jamie. <laughs> wow. I didn't know you went into swing of you. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to hear you guys cover uh, an ongoing show. I mean, we have some other plans, of course. We'd like to maybe pick a new show that, uh, you know, nobody probably will podcast for. I think we're possibly doing that Kira Cedric one. Um, we're not 100% sure yet, but um, we do have um, sort of what Noah and I are doing. Uh, and we don't want to announce what it is just yet. Um, but after the conclusion of Australian Survivor, we're looking at uh, sort of another rewatch. It's it's a, a show from sort of around the similar period of, of Nip Tuck. Um, and uh, let's just say it's, it's, a, it's a very defining TV show. I think it did a lot for why we're in this age of TV at the moment and a very, very big show and uh, one that we got a couple of requests to do a random episode with but we said we'd hold back on just because uh, we were going to do a full rewatch of it. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. We've recorded about five episodes at the time of this episode um, and we've 
thoroughly enjoyed doing them, particularly Noah. Uh, but it's good to have Noah back, and hopefully he'll be on a few more of these episodes too in the future. Because uh, obviously with Survivor coming out soon, American Survivor, we're going to have a preview episode of that. And um, also, we're, we're planning on possibly, we're not 100% sure on this yet, I'm just teasing a little bit more here, um, possibly bringing back uh, a, a version of a very, very, very popular series we had on Survivor Oz, kind of an updated version um, of this episode took us like 33 hours to complete the original <laughs> but uh just stay tuned because we're kind of in some planning phases of how we might be able to update that without taking 33 fucking hours because obviously i'm devoting 33 hours of my life to titanic at the moment so uh, <laughs> exactly. watch this space all right so again we apologize to everybody that saw the dark tower <laughs> yeah sorry we apologize for everybody well nobody really watched it let's quickly say the box office was not great for this they're yeah, not gonna get poor. a sequel <laughs> Um, but the TV show might be cool. Uh, I think James Cameron made more money reading his Wikipedia page in the last five minutes than it this made in its box office yeah. at the moment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but we have all those exciting episodes coming out, including it. What? It <laughs> <laughs> coming soon to the Oz Network. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're subscribing to us on iTunes, also subscribe to us on Stitcher. And leave reviews on both, and uh, leave reviews anywhere else, um, Spotify, uh, just subscribe anywhere we exist, uh, as well as all of our other shows and uh, our Facebook page and Twitter and all that. Uh, just harass us. Uh, Please do. We really would appreciate it. Ben has been doing nothing but talking about Titanic and watching time travel films and podcasting mysterious subjects with little boys from Snug, uh, he needs more love in his life. That really sounded inappropriate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm single here, people. I don't have a significant other to bring an STD to the Oz Network with. So, yeah. I mean... just you subscribe to us on iTunes and subscribe to Ben on uh, Tinder. So. Well, I mean, you could. I haven't had a match in about two weeks. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm a bit lonely there. And no no new people have told me about any Day of the Dead marches that are happening soon. So, how are we meant to record future episodes of our show if I don't have someone on Tinder telling me what's happening? So, um, yeah, just just a noise. Catherine, the Shedmeister, you know, even you guys. What, Catherine on Shedmeister on Tinder? Well, I meant in in emailing us in general. I mean, I've already been on a sort of date with Catherine. It was a beer uh, with Cable there. It wasn't really a date, but um, I don't know where I'm going with this. How <laughs> 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 only too frequently does Ben's trying to, like, drink Ben's up with. lonely. Um, let's end this episode before <laughs> Just leave really me alone. Sad. I'm going to my own dark tower. <laughs> my name is Colin, and you go, Matthew McConaughey. And my name is Ben and Savages. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.